Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. Wow, what a lovely group. Beautiful. He is risen. Yes, he is risen indeed. My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard, and uh, so glad you're with us. If this is your first time, welcome. Make yourself at home. Uh, We are in a series, as you can see from the bumper, called I Am Jesus. In uh, the book of John, seven times Jesus Uh, describes himself many times with metaphors. And uh, today we're going to look at one that's very apropos for Easter, and that is over in John 11 and 25. And if you've got your Bibles or if you've got your Bible app, uh, it's going to be on the screens as well. Plus, in your handout, you have a fill-in that you can follow along with me today. I'll give you those fill-ins. And also all the Scripture is on that uh, handout, so you are surrounded with Scripture everywhere. So you can take it out and follow along. Uh, Like I said, I'm so glad you're here, and uh, let me pray, and we're going to jump right into this. Father, thank you uh, for your your love and for your grace and your mercy. Each each, uh, spring and on Easter, we are reminded of what you did for the creation that you love, that you broke into this earth with your kingdom, your rule, and your reign. Jesus, you came back from the dead. You took our sins on you, and you stand now victorious. And, Lord, we acknowledge you as Lord of all, King of all. And, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. We ask for you to come and rule and reign, that you would teach us today. Give me the gift of teaching. Be present with us. Open our hearts and come and do your good work on this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me just read this scripture to you, and then I'm going to kind of get you caught up, uh, paraphrase the whole story because it's, it's so rich, but uh, if we would just take way too much time if I, have, if I went through all of this. But let's read the, the passage, John 11, 25, and uh, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, I googled out resurrection just to see what, uh, where we get most of our information from these days. And, and here's what came up. Halloween resurrection. Tupac resurrection. Alien Resurrection, Vampire Resurrection, Ninja Resurrection, Samurai Resurrection, Robocop Resurrection. Uh, Do we just kind of take Jesus and plug him right into the end of all of those resurrections and series and go, Jesus, Resurrection, and that's it? In case you don't know, what a resurrection is, is when someone or something was alive, and then it was not alive, it was dead, and then it was alive again. That 
is a resurrection. Now, many of us don't have a resurrection story like that. I, the closest story I have, I have in my life to something like that is when I was about five years old, I walked into our kitchen, and I remember the black and white tiles and the summertime, cool in the morning, and evidently we had a rodent problem in our house. And uh, dad or mom had put out some traps, and there was a trap sitting right at the, the base of where the sink was, and there was this cute little mouse caught underneath the hammer part of the trap. And he looked so sweet, but he had this look of just, he was gone. And I thought, no, he's so cute. It can't be, he can't be dead. Please, God, if you're up there, please just bring him back. And he'd be such a great pet. And I picked up the trap and I opened up the hammer and it was a miracle. (laughs) It was a miracle. He came alive and chomped right down into my thumb. Those two teeth just like that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the closest I've come to a miracle. And he needed another one after that. Uh, that's probably, probably not the best uh, resurrection story to have. But that's the only one I got. But I read of another one. I read of another one in this book by Dr. Craig Keener. Craig Keener was an atheist. Uh, you've heard me mention his name before. I've actually shown his testimony here in church. Uh, he is now a foremost theologian and uh, just I, I, every book he puts out, I try to pick it up as soon as I can. And uh, he, he writes some weighty tomes. And, uh, but this one is a docu- it, there are two volumes to it where he goes through theologically looking at healing and, and, and all of this and makes a case for it. But then the second volume is the volume where he documents from around the world with names, times, places, uh, and all he documents this so that uh, to say it is going on in other places around the world and it can't happen. And so I was reading through this the last couple of weeks and I came upon the story of, of this lady, Elaine Penelo, uh, who was from the Philippines and she had liver cancer. This is back in 1983. She was very poor. She didn't have enough money for treatment. And uh, as her cancer progressed, her fingernails turned black. And uh, she had the distended belly, and she went into the hospital, and her doctor finally told her, they said, no, there's no way, Elaine, that, uh, you know, it's gone just way too far past the point of no return. Even if you could afford treatment, it's too late. And so she checked herself into the hospital there uh, where she died, and they pronounced her dead and took her to the morgue. Well, there happened to be a Baptist woman pastor uh, who came by the hospital that day and was making visits just not dropping into rooms and she found out about Elaine passing and so she went down to the morgue and uh, she said in her report I don't even think I believe in healing but I thought hey she's dead what's it gonna hurt you know so so she starts praying for Elaine the sheet is over her head the People in the morgue are watching, and, and so this Baptist lady begins to pray. And all of a sudden, the sheet starts moving. And some of the morgue people thought it was a mouse. Could have been the same one. I don't know. But they, they thought, they, because they have, they have mice there in, in, in the morgue. That's kind of scary. And, uh, and, but they said, let's see if it's a mouse. So they pulled the sheet back to find Elaine moving around, stirring. Finally, she opened her eyes, and she looked up, and Everybody's eyes are big, and, and the pastor, the 
Baptist lady says, Elaine, you've been dead for almost two hours. She said, no, I have not been dead for two hours. I've been taking a nap. She says, no, you've been dead. They, they pronounced you dead. You're in the morgue. And uh, she said, you know, I feel, I feel different. I feel better. I feel better after this nap. So she went home. She still had no money for even follow-up at that time. And a year went by. She felt like she was doing great. So she wanted to get some confirmation. So she went back to the hospital, the one in the small village where she was. And they said, well, we can't find anything. And so another five years went by. And she decided that she wanted to, she gave herself to Christ. She decided she would follow Jesus, and she wanted to tell her story to others. And so she got with some friends, and her friends said, you need to be absolutely certain that this has happened to you before you go out, you know, telling people. And so she goes, well, I'm not going back to this small town, you know, doctor here. I am going to Manila. I'm going to go to Manila. I'm going to find a good doctor and let them check me out. So she goes to Manila. This is in 1990 by this time. She goes to Manila, and she finds a Filipino doctor, a female doctor, who just happens to be the very first doctor that diagnosed her with cancer. Uh, all those at five, six years ago. And the Filipino doctor cannot believe it's the same woman. He's like, this cannot be Elaine Pinelo. It cannot be her. And, and she looked through the reports, and sure enough, it was Elaine. And This doctor, this Filipino doctor, happened to be married to an American doctor who worked at Subic Bay in the Navy and worked at the Navy base. Well, long story short, both doctors come to follow Jesus from this story, and Elaine's testimony is off and running. Now, I don't have a story like that. But Jesus is going to tell us a story this morning about a resurrection. Maybe in this story you will find yourself And that's my prayer. So we're going to take a look at John 11. You've got the handout, the fill-in, if you want to track along with me. And just let let me catch you up with this. Jesus, in chapter 11 of John, has some very dear friends. There are two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha's the oldest one, and she likes to take care of everybody. You know how those old ones are, the oldest ones are. They're always fixing things, cleaning up. They're the ones in charge. They've got a brother named Lazarus. So there's Mary who loves just to worship Jesus, be with him. She's the one, Mary's the one that took the expensive perfume and anointed Jesus' feet. That's on the next page, though they tell you about it here in this 11th chapter as well. And so we think that probably this family is a fairly wealthy family because we don't know anything about their professions. We know that when Lazarus died, which we're going to find out in a minute, that they could afford to have some professional mourners. You ever needed some professional people to cry for you when you die? Well, that's what they did here. Matter of fact, they had a minimum number of flautist, flute players that you would have to hire for it to be like the real funeral. And so they had the right number of flautists. They had the right number of mourners. They hired them. So we think that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a nice house, and that's where Jesus would base a lot of his operations out of over in the area or in the town of Bethany in Judea. 
Now, this area that the family lived in was not really friendly to Jesus. Matter of fact, the last time he was in that area, they tried to kill him. People did. Not Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but people there tried to kill him. So he and his disciples went down a little further, about two miles away, where they had been ministering, away from the troubled spot. And they get news that Lazarus is sick. The sisters send news to Jesus, the one that you love. Is sick. You know, if you ever want to get somebody to move and do something for you, it's kind of like, you know, you really care about them. You probably should come and do something. And I feel like that's what the sisters are doing. Like, Jesus, you really do love this guy. You need to come on up here and do something about this and, and heal him. When he gets the news, he hears this the one you love is sick. Now, maybe even in this room this morning, some of you are thinking, you know, the one that I love is sick. Jesus got this news about his friend. Or maybe your job is sick. It's just not satisfying. It's not paying the bills. Or maybe your marriage is sick. It just hasn't turned out the way it should. But things aren't what you wished. And you've gotten news that things aren't well. Things are not healthy. People act different ways when they get news, when they get bad news. Um, I had a dear friend in another church that I served at she, I'll call her Mary. She was just the brightest person in worship. She would show up first thing on Sunday mornings and she would come up front. She had the most beautiful smile and she would come up, take her boom box, sit it on the front. That's how long ago it was. And she would record every single worship service. And then she would take it home and play it in her house and worship herself. All week long she did that. And she was married to a retired Air Force man who was a forward air controller in Vietnam. Well, her husband, her husband would not darken a church. He would not walk in for anything. But what he would do is go to our men's meeting. If we did cookouts, if we did campouts, which we did a lot of them back then, uh, he would always show up, camp out, tell us stories, and he always brought his AR-15 for us to unload a clip each, you know. And so that was, that was good. You know, we'd get him laughing. It was fun. But no, don't talk to him about God. Don't talk to him about Jesus. And don't ask him to come on a Sunday morning. He just wouldn't do it. Well, my friend Mary got sick. And I got the call to come to the hospital that the doctor had some news for her. And so I I rushed up to the hospital and was sitting in the room with uh, Mary and her husband. And the doctor came in, very, very nice man, oncologist, and, and walked in the room and looked at Mary and said, You have cancer. Uh, and I'm sorry to tell you, uh, it's terminal, and I'm sorry to tell you, you probably only have three or four months um, maybe to live. And after the discussion went on a while, and her husband asked, what would you do if this was your wife, and got the input and all, and uh, he left, the doctor left, and the three of us were standing there. And for some reason, I asked her this question, and now I know why I did. At the time, it seemed a little out of place or kind of odd. But I said, Mary, if you could have one prayer answered right now, what would it be? Well, you would, and I would probably say, I'd like to be healed. And she said that. She said, well, you know, I'd like to be healed, but my first request is that my husband would come to know Christ. That would be my very first request request and so I looked at Mary and I said Mary why don't you ask him ask him is this his time is this when he starts this journey and so she turned and 
it wasn't really that emotional of a moment. And he said, yeah, I'm ready. Now I know what you're thinking. And then we prayed together. And she prayed with her husband to begin his walk with Jesus. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, of course he would do that. He just found out his wife was dying. Now let me tell you, Mary died about three months later, but her husband walked with Jesus for the next 20 years. And he was as solid a follower of Christ as I've ever seen. People handle bad news different ways. And, and here Jesus gets some bad news. And he answers a certain way. He, he responds a certain way. And, and he, he says this, John eleven four. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified. In other words, God is going to get something good out of this situation. And, uh, you know, the whole what's going on here is he has been away and four days have gone by before he ever shows up. And they're freaking out and Jesus is hanging out. I mean, whenever, whenever he gets the news, he goes, oh, let's stay two more days before we go. You ever felt like that? Like Jesus is just like, where are you, Lord? I mean, I'm in need. Why aren't you here with me right now? I'm freaking out and you're just hanging out somewhere. Why aren't you here? Why aren't you here? I do want, want to say this, that grief and when we have loss does some things to us is that Jesus' delay did not cause Lazarus' death. Think about this. Here's a math problem for you. You ready? It took one day for the message to get to Jesus. It took one day for Jesus to get back to where the message came from. He said he would stay two more days before he left. When he got there, Lazarus had been dead how many days? Four days. So when did Lazarus die? Yeah, about the time the message was sent. You get this? See, this should be in every Christian school as a math problem. (laughs) This is a great math problem. Sends a message. It takes one day, one day to come back. He waits two days. When he gets, that's four days. He gets there. And what? He's been dead four days. Jesus didn't cause the death. He died. Lazarus died about the time the message was sent. But trying to see what God's doing and understand it all, it just sometimes it, it messes with us. We just, we just can't see. We can't see the sense in it. We can't even do simple math, it seems like, at times. Well, he looks at his disciples, Jesus does, and says... Lazarus has fallen asleep, so we need to go. I need to go wake him up. And the bright students that the disciples were, um, they go, well, if he's asleep, you know, he's going to wake up. We don't really need to go back where they tried to kill us last time. And Jesus goes, dummies, it's a metaphor. Can't you get it? They weren't the most artistic type, I guess. But it's like, he's dead. But, you know, for God's glory, things are going to change. And so um, they make their way back. Now, I want to look at, in your fill-ins, I want to look at Thomas, Mary, and Martha. I'm not going to talk much about Lazarus because he is dead right now. So we're going to look at Thomas, who was one of, disciples, one of the disciples, and then Mary and Martha, the two sisters that were there. And uh, we're going to find or see three ways that we can be dead inside. And maybe you'll find yourself in one of these three today. Uh, your first one is Thomas. I mean, most of us, probably uh, many of us know what the name Thomas suddenly brings to mind, right? Thomas is known as what, Thomas? 
doubting Thomas. Your first feeling is this. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Thomas was dead in his doubts. John eleven sixteen. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. What a cool name. Can we call him T. Diddy? T. Diddy said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. It's like, Jesus, you're going to go back? That's where they tried to kill us. All right, let's just go and I'll die. We'll all die. Let's just all go. You know, doubting, doubting Thomas. Uh, even after the resurrection, he still he wanted to feel the holes in the hands, right? Doubt. We can be dead in our doubts. Why didn't God act like I thought he would act? Why doesn't he act the way I would act if I was God? Why not? Why wasn't God there when I needed him there? Once you believed in God, maybe. Once you had a strong faith in God and because of your doubts, because things weren't like you expected, now you doubt his existence. Or you doubt that he is good. You doubt that he's alive. You doubt that he's available to you. Somebody you love wasn't healed. Something on the inside has got a little bit dead. And doubt has permeated your life. Or maybe you're like Mary. This is your second fill-in. Mary was dead in her discouragement. Mary was dead in her discouragement. John eleven twenty. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But what about Mary? But Mary stayed at home. She was so discouraged. She was like, he's dead. He's been dead four days now. There is no reason to go out. I might as well just stay in the house. Why bother? My brother's dead. There's nothing Jesus can do about it now. Nothing. I can't change anything. I can't. And, you know, I'm always going to be lonely. I'm always going to be stuck in a broken marriage. I'm always going to feel like I don't measure up. I'm always just discouraged to the point of there's kind of this lifelessness inside. We can be dead in our doubts, dead in our discouragement as Mary was. Or like Martha, your third fill in here, that is, Martha was dead in the delay. Martha was dead in the delay. John eleven thirty nine. 39. But the Lord said Martha, the sister of the dead man. But Lord, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been, <laughs> he has been there for four days. And she's like, Jesus, what do you mean? Take, you know, roll the tombstone back. He's been dead for four days. He's got an odor. I love the way the King James says this. By now he stinketh. <laughs> Some of you wives are going to take that saying and you're going to use it at home. I know it. Now he stinketh. Martha says in, in uh, John eleven twenty one, 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's too late. You have delayed. There's no way that anything good is going to come out of this now. It's just way too late. Why haven't I found my future spouse It's way too late. I'm getting too old. Why haven't I been healed yet? It looks like I'm not going to be. Why hasn't God healed my marriage yet? I keep praying, God, but you delay and you delay. Why? Why haven't I had a baby yet? You know I'd make a great father, a great mother. Why won't you give us a child? The delay. Why can't I find that perfect job, one that I can be happy in and make lots of money? 
Why can't I? Where's, what's up with the delay? My situation stinks, Lord. It stinks. I just, I don't understand the delay. I don't. So you could be dead in your doubts, dead in your discouragement, or dead in the delay. But I want you to remember this. This is your next fill-in. Delays are not God's denials. Delays are not God's denials. Because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it will not happen. And if Easter tells us anything, it gives us that hope. It gives us that hope. Delays are not God's denials. Just because we haven't seen it. Even like John eleven twenty two, 22, she says, But I know, Martha says this, But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Some of us, this is your next fill-in, maybe you need an even now moment. An even now. Can you say even now with me? Even now. Let's say it again for yourself. Even now. Even now you can do it. Even now, God, you can do it. Even now. The delays... All of this. You know, one of the reasons I think that Jesus waited four days to go is because there was folklore back at this time that the human spirit hung around the body for three days. That's not scriptural. This is just folklore. They believe that for three days it's possible that the body could be resuscitated or something could happen. Just a myth. Just whatever. So, But after three days, because decomposition started to set in, that was it. Only three days, and then there's no hope. Jesus waited four. That looks like he's really late. (laughs) All the way around. But that delay was not God's denial, and there was an even now moment coming. There could be an even now moment for you if you're discouraged. You're like, I don't know if I can keep on. I just don't know. And even now, because you're suffering through a delay, it's taking way too long. But even now, even now, or even now, you, you doubt God's goodness. You go, I just don't believe He's that good. Even now, God's goodness could overflow your life and your heart. His presence right now could fall upon you, warm your heart, creating you a new heart and give you hope even now, right now, in your discouragement. Even now, God could break into your screwed up family. Even now. Even now. Right now. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't happen. It doesn't mean that. Even now, when our hearts grow cold, God's presence can come and warm it once again. And we can feel the touch of that resurrection. Your last feeling is this. And this was where we started with our text this morning. The resurrection, it's not just an event. It was an event, of course, but it isn't an event. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you see that? When Jesus walks into your life, the resurrection and the life of God walks into your life. That's where the hope comes from. That's where the warmth comes from. And that's where we know in the delay we can sustain and we can hold on. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
And that's the question to us today. Do we believe that? Because dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. Life comes back. Things do not stay dead. Now Jesus gets to the, he gets to the tomb. And I absolutely love this. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, this is Mary, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. This is in verse 33. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. But Jesus is moved and troubled by what you're going through. Right? When he looked at Mary, when he looked at the mourners, when he looked at Martha, and he thought of his friend, it concerned him. Now, the Greek is so colorful here because troubled is a word that means stirred. You know, kind of stirred up within himself. And the, and the word moved in spirit is the picture of a horse snorting. Like it's getting ready to pull a heavy load. Putting its feet down, getting ready. He was pumped up about this situation. Now what was he upset about? What was he getting? And Right after that it says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Right after this verse. Jesus wept. Here's what I think. I think Jesus was heartbroken that Martha and Mary did not see what he saw. And that is that when the kingdom came and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changed everything. And they couldn't see that he was the resurrection and the life. And that with Jesus being the firstborn, the first one resurrected, it meant that everyone that followed him after that would be resurrected as well. They couldn't see that in their brokenheartedness. And they couldn't experience that now. And it was him going, how I wish you could see what is about to happen with my resurrection. How I wish you could see this or your mourning would not be as it is now. And then what does he do? He yells out. And it actually again it says in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, and here it is, he stinketh. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of people that are standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Then he looks straight at the tomb and he shouts, Lazarus, come out. Why did he shout? Maybe the dead are hard of hearing. I don't know. But he came out, covered in the strips, and then Jesus says, unwind him. (laughs) Take the strips of cloth off of him. Do you need a resurrection of hope in your life this morning? You feel like God has just put you off for so long? Are you discouraged? Do you have doubts now? You know what happened to Thomas? Even after seeing this, Thomas doubted the resurrection of Jesus till he saw him in that body and saw the holes and saw the holes beside. But how did Thomas's life end up? Tradition says that Thomas ended up going to Spain as a missionary, doubting Thomas. You see, sometimes when you have doubts, it doesn't mean you don't still follow. 
You follow in your doubts and you hold on and you pray for a resurrection of hope and faith and you continue. We all have doubts at times. Mary and Martha, what happened to them? Not sure, but there's no reason to doubt that they were with the 120 in the upper room. They were leaders in, the, in that group among Jesus' disciples. And they surely followed through with the worship as Mary did. None of this stopped them from continuing their journey. And none of it should stop us on this Easter from letting the resurrection and the life come into our lives. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.